Good morning. I'm Peggy. <laughs> My family's here this morning. I'm reading um, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Peggy. Uh, good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And I love a church that um, I don't get a, a shout, a yell, and Peggy did there. That was, that's good. We say here that we fight for obscurity. So, um, man, Peggy, you got to work on that. But no, just kidding. <laughs> Peggy's family's here, and we love her family. They were actually a part of our church and then sent out to be a part of Redemption Alhambra. They now live in Phoenix. Actually, I have some f family here as well, which is fun. Um, it's actually bring your family, your out-of-town family to church day. So I don't know if you got the memo. So... Um, no, it's good. Um, good to be with everyone here. Um, just by way of introduction, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I have a stutter. Um, so just to give you all a heads up on that so you're not trying to f figure it out as we go along, um, kind of, you know, cats out of the bag um, early on there. And, um, you know, I, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I was up all night trying to cry myself to sleep after the U of A loss. Um, hey, you know, I know. I just wanted to kind of kind of share that with you guys. We'll be in Lamentations now. We were in Sermon on the Mount. We're going to shift gears in, um, no, we are not. Um, not everyone can be ASU and play NAU for the first game, you know, come on. Just kidding. Sorry. I know we have NAU people here and ASU. We love you. Next year, though, we get NAU first game. So um, I will, though, okay, we are going to be in the Sermon on the Mount here soon, but heads up on that, I will be talking a lot about college football probably for the next few months, so it kind of comes with the territory, but um, for all you hipsters in here, we'll get to obscure bands in the future, we'll talk about those things, but for now, it's college football. Um, before we get into that, though, we're, um, uh, next week is our two-year anniversary as a church, and yeah. It's really exciting. Um, some of you guys were here for that. Our first Sunday, it was burning hot. There was no AC on. Um, we had doors open, fans blowing. It was just, we, it was a different, we were in a different place, and it's really exciting. Um, these next couple weeks, this is a holiday week, and then um, the next couple weeks, I know we have different college groups will be kind of out of town. So, um, but some of you guys know that last week we were kind of bursting at the seams, and that's exciting, and we're in an exciting season. And so next week we will celebrate just God's faithfulness in, in bringing us to where he has us. And we don't celebrate, like we're not looking to like count numbers or break any, you know, we're not like, how do we get to this number? How do we get to that number? But we pause and celebrate changed lives and what God is doing. We say we exist for Jesus's glory and the good of Tucson. And we're excited to, even as I look out and we consider just what God has done, transforming hearts and families and relationships and, 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 and just really carrying his work throughout throughout Tucson. So we're excited for that. Um, so we'll have some food and some drinks, not like lunch, but we'll have some kind of hors d'oeuvre 
foods, and it'll just be a chance to hang out and celebrate. And probably from here on out, we'll probably just celebrate like, you know, every five years is my guess. You know, it's like we're not going to be that weird dating couple that's like celebrating the first time we shared an ice cream cone on our third date. You know, it's like, you know, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Those weird, weird couples. Um, We're not going to be one of those as a church, but we will celebrate this next week. Um, Now we're going to get into our Sermon on the Mount series. I've been loving this series, and it's only week two, so uh, we have a long way to go and really excited that. So go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. It's right about halfway in your Bible. It's the first book in the New Testament. There's never any shame in going to the table of contents. If you're looking around or if you're new to this whole gig and you've never really been around church much, um, just turn to the table of contents, find the book where we are. We do love to hunker down in books of the Bible, so um, uh, I encourage you to, 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 uh, to have a Bible. If you don't have one with you right now, hold your hands up high and somebody will get you a Bible, okay? I want you to be able to see that this is Jesus himself talking, not me. Um, so, so get a Bible. También si quieres la Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Okay, um, what I said there in English, for all you who don't speak Spanish, um, is uh, if, you, if you don't have a Bible um, and you just held your hand up, you can keep this one. Okay? We want you to have a Bible that you can make your own and keep and understand and read in your own language and put your name in it and underline stuff and do all that. Um, so with that, let me, let me pray for us as we get into this time and ask God to lead us through his word together. Lord, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you that you've called us to be here. Um, Lord, that everyone who's in this room, I know it's a holiday weekend. Some people went up to Phoenix to watch the U of A game and different people are out of town. But I, I do firmly believe that all of us who are here, you have us here for a purpose. Um, Lord, for those who perhaps are not Christians or are kind of new to uh, investigating you, I, I, you say that uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And so um, also you say that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, it, and, and Lord, we know that you reveal yourself through your word. Um, and so we're expectant through this time together. And for those of us who, have, who are here today and perhaps are always here or have grown dry or wherever we are, you will speak to us and we're confident in that. And so we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, as we now uh, turn to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 3. Um, no, verse uh, 13 You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. What comes to mind for you when you you hear that? Um, Maybe even again, for those of you who have not been around church for a long time, that's probably one of those phrases that you've heard before that, you know, is kind of used in everyday common language, right? Like salt of the earth people. Like I used to live in the, in the South and people would kind of use that phrase sometimes. Like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a good guy, you know, the salt of the earth kind of, kind of guy. And so we hear these kind of phrases and we take them through the filter of our own, our own lenses, right? We hear Jesus saying stuff and then we kind of translate that to everyday, kind of blue collar everyday folk. But that's really not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is preaching a radical sermon And he's saying radical things that have radical implications for our lives. I just read an article this week um, 
or earlier this week by a group called the Preemptive Love Coalition. And the article was entitled, Loving Your Enemy Even When That's ISIS. And, um, and this article was written by a group of people um, here from the U.S., the, again, the Preemptive Love Coalition, who now live in the Middle East and, and devote their lives to loving the seemingly unlovable or to, or to pursuing people who need to be loved. And the whole language is preemptive love, is that, is that they would, um, one phrase they use is they say, rather than choosing fear, we choose to love. And in this article, they tell a story about one of their friends named Sadiq, a, a local there who they had met. Um, and, 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 he, and, and the phrase is used often where this man, Sadiq, and, and so these, the, the authors of the article tell their own story of how hard it is to love how hard it is to love your enemy. And I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Those of you who are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, there is a, a section that we'll get to where Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But, but, but that, remember, this isn't, those things aren't just brought to us in isolation, but G the sermon last week that, where we talked about Jesus transforming hearts that shows up in, in real everyday life in a radical way, and then it continues to build on itself. And so, and so as they talked about loving their enemies, they're talking about their own journey, and they say they looked at a man, this man, Sadiq, who knelt down before an ISIS detainee, at a jail, and he looked at this ISIS uh, fighter, and he said, you killed my friend, and I've come here to give you food. And, and the story is that this man, Sadiq, recognized this ISIS fighter. And, and, and Sadiq was tempted to be driven by fear, to be driven by anger to be driven by conventional wisdom, to be driven by, yeah, but these people need to be held accountable. They need to be killed. They need to be wiped off the face of the earth. They're the scum of the earth. They deserve this, that, and the other. And, and, and that, that was welling up. But he says, again, uh, that would be driven by fear. That would be driven by conventional wisdom. But, but, but I've been so transformed by Jesus, Sadiq says, you killed my friend. Because he saw in an ISIS propaganda video this man who now he's kneeling before, um, standing beside Sadiq's friend who was an, an officer and, uh, and a, a holy man that Sadiq had befriended and gotten to know. And then, and then this man, this ISIS fighter, gave this, this propaganda speech and then knelt down and brutally killed this man on TV. And Sadiq watched it and prayed and mourned. Remember last week we saw Jesus say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sadiq mourned for his friend. And then can you imagine walking through the gates of this detainee camp and seeing this person, all the, all the internal conflict that would be welling up inside his heart. And then he came before him. And because of the transformational work of Jesus in his heart, he was empowered to do the unthinkable and to look at this man in the face and say, you killed my friend, so I came here to feed you, to give you food, not to give you what you deserve. 
And now the article goes on to say, of course, these detainees were still held accountable. They were still brought before a judge. They were still you know, brought before the court system and still detained. They weren't like, oh, whatever, no biggie. Go ahead and do this. Okay, that stuff still happened. And I, but, but I think what we need to do right now is we need to pause right now with the dissonance that's going on in our hearts. Because we could really easily, really quickly jump to, yeah, but, and justify away. Well, I mean, those people are no longer human. They're animals. They've done this brutal act on TV and in public. They've done these things. Now, now we can just, of, co- we, of course, just go and do this. But, but here's the deal. We look through distorted lenses. All right, as we talked about last week, you have to, you ha- when we come before Jesus, when we come before this radical Sermon on the Mount, we have to recognize that our first flinch, apart from the intervention of God in our hearts, apart from the transforming work of Christ, we look through lenses and our first flinch response is opposite of how God created us and designed us. Our first flinch response, we need to not just take through our own filters, which have been distorted by sin, but we need to take them through the lenses that God has called us to look through. Okay, because in the beginning, when God created everything, this is the the message, okay, for every single one of us, is that you have been created by God and for God. Okay, God said, let us make man in our image. The implications of that, the imago Dei, the image of God, was God saying that your, your identity and your purpose, your life, how you view everything, how you view yourself, how you be, view your neighbor, how you view your enemy, how you view everything about who you are and what you do would come from God and would be for God, would reflect him and his purposes and his plans and his mission. But sin is a distortion of that. Okay, sin is, no thanks God, I want to do it my way. I I don't want your purposes, my identity to come from you, uh, all these things. And and so what happened, we're told all throughout scripture, is that when sin entered into the world, the world and its systems on an individual heart level and on a relational level and on a corporate level and on a worldwide level, decay and darkness crept in. Okay, that God is light, and when we turn our back on him and we go our own way, we are led astray, each one to his own way, as Isaiah says, we, we enter into decay and darkness. And so our first flinch is to look through that lens. But, but, but the best news, the good news, that's what the word gospel means. The good news of Jesus is that God didn't say, good luck with that, or or. Just continue to look through your own lenses and make sense of it and embrace your own version of conventional wisdom. I'm going to leave you there. Do what you do, right? But no, God said, I'm going to undo what has been broken. I'm going to bring God the Son, Jesus, to come into this brokenness. And so we see in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus himself speaking says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk, walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. Jesus is the light. He says, I am the light. Jesus came to penetrate the darkness. 
And he came to transform hearts, just like we talked about, just like we've seen that the good news for you is that though there's darkness, though there's decay, though there's not God, sin, that's what it means, not God, though that, is, that determines and shapes us, Jesus said, I came to, to, to bring light into that darkness and to transform you and to restore you into a relationship with him so that Jesus came to die on the cross and to put death and darkness and decay to bed. He put death to death. And then he victoriously rose from the dead. Light broke into the darkness. And Jesus, the good news, came to restore what has been broken. But not just for you and me. Not just to stay there. Not just to be like, okay, good, I'm restored. But now, now what? Right? That's where we, as we lean into his Sermon on the Mount, that's where we find ourselves this week. Well, now what, Jesus? Now what does that really look like? And last week, the implications were there. Well, now as you go out, as you live your life in the world around you, as you interact with other people, as you, as you wade into this darkness and decay, he says, I'm restoring you in your purpose to continue to carry out my mission, to be salt and light. So that now... If you put your faith in Jesus, your orientation, your priorities, your perspective, your, 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 your agenda, your mission, your whole life has now been restored and is being restored to his original intent, that God's image bearers would, would carry out his mission in all of life. But again, we have to start and understand that our first flinch is that we look through distorted lenses. We hear that story about Sadiq relating with ISIS, and our first flinch is to hell with them, is, is, is no way, is, is I'm going to do this, I've got it figured out, and, and, the, and the Sermon on the Mount is called to radically shake us up and stop us and to say, Okay, but Jesus, what are you doing? And we saw last week, the whole first 12 verses is Jesus has come to bring real transformation that shows up in real life, in Facebook life, in employee and employer life, in, 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 in now I'm gonna order from, uh, from Taco Bell life, and now I'm gonna talk to a telemarketer on the phone. Every facet of life, Jesus comes to bring transformation. And what we'll see today is that he is forming a people of who, who have been and are being transformed, who will be change agents and who will live a life that reveals the glory of God to a dark and decaying world that is desperately looking for answers. And so that's what's behind this sermon is Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You, my followers, those of you who have been transformed by the gospel, by the good news of Jesus, he says, now you are the preserving agent. Okay, salt can be used for a lot of things. It's used to flavor food, all these things. But in this context, I was just having a conversation with a guy in the bathroom. Yes, even guys do that. Um, in the, right before here, right before we got going, like 9.58, and we were talking, and he even said, he said, I, I'm, star, I'm, I'm understanding that I, in 2016, don't look through the same lenses, right, same idea, as someone who would be hearing this 2,000 years ago. And so what they would be hearing 2,000 years ago is not like a nice little dribble of salt that's kind of an added flavor to your food, but is a necessary preservative. 
Okay, that's what salt is, that, 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 that the world's tendency now, like fruit or like meat. See, we're a diverse church here, right? We got vegans and fruitarians and carnivores and everything else here, right? Fruit, okay, for those, right? As it progresses, it decays and gets older and grosser, and there are different ways to try to prevent that. Well, meat, which is what these people would have been thinking of. No one in their right mind was vegan in this time, by the way, but sorry, I'm, I love you. Um, <laughs> But salt would be used to preserve that and to prolong and to prevent the decaying, the natural progression that meat would, would, would take. And so Jesus says, listen, you, my followers, my people, are the preserving agent for the world around you. That this world is decaying, that society, relationships, communities, families are, are, are broken and are decaying and are shrouded in darkness. We'll, and we'll get there to darkness, right? That's where light comes in. But they're decaying and, and it needs to be preserved. And the good news is that, is that Jesus is sending his people who he's transformed to preserve what is otherwise decaying. Okay, he has a plan and a purpose for you. If you put your faith in him, it doesn't stop with you. But the good news is that he continues to work in you and on you and through you. And, and, and so a couple of extremes, though, where we could find ourselves with that. Right? One would be this. That salt becomes so indistinguishable that it no longer uh, has any effect. That's what it says here. If the salt loses its flavor, it is no longer good for anything. And how will it be um, restored? It, it, it must be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Okay, like why? Like it would be like sand at that point. Like let me pour some sand in here. If it becomes so indistinguishable. So my question for you, um, Christian, okay, a transformed person who's put their faith in, in Jesus. His purpose for you in the world around you, have you become so indistinguishable from your surrounding environment that you're no longer good as a preserving agent? That, that's the question that Jesus is asking here. Amen? Amen? I think I heard a wow. I know this stuff hits home here, but that's, that's where, that's where um, Jesus wants this. Again, this is radical. This isn't, yeah, salt of the earth. Go on and do your thing and be, just be a blue collar. Okay, move on. No, you, are, you have a purpose that God Almighty, who said, let there be light, also said, you are my good news to the world that you would be different. Don't be so indistinguishable. Stop and ask the hard questions. Am, am I, have I just blended in so much? Now, the other extreme, of course, is that the salt is just on the shelf, all right? Okay, this is to poke at maybe some of the others of us who are like, church, I'm salty, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing my thing, but, 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 but I, I've got a barbed wire fence so that my saltiness, so that the good news of Jesus in me and through me, I have no Christian friends, I've got bumper stickers on my car that assure that I will have no non-Christian friends, and I, my whole presence and my whole approach to life is, is like, you know, is, to, is, is a fight mentality, and there's no way that I'm going to be good news to anyone, or I'm going to have a preserving agent that God can use me in my surrounding environment and the saltiness is just left on the shelf. And that's not his plan either. He says, no, no, no. I've called you to go and to disperse and to be in the world and to, and to live your life in such a way that you are preserving. And if you know anything about salt, even on, an, on a, like an organic chemistry level, its nature is to, is to, is to infiltrate. 
And so that salt even um, preserves. A little salt goes a long way. That almost without effort, by being Christian, hear me, look at me, if you put your faith in Jesus, in your imperfection, in your struggling, whether you're new to this whole deal or you've been doing it for a long time, if you are truly following Jesus and you are clinging to him, as we looked at last week, chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means not you have it all together, you're perfect, you do everything right, but your relationship with God is such that you depend on Jesus every day and you say, not my will, but your will. Empower me to live the life that you have called me to live and that you have given, see, I'm preaching here. These things are falling down all around <laughs> Right, um, that, 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 that he says that as we continue to do that, just by going, by being that preserving agent that he has now made you salt, there will be an impact, sometimes whether we know it or not. And then he goes on and he continues, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden the light of the world. Again, the same implication is there. In order for salt to mean anything, there has to be a decaying agent, right? The assumption here is, yes, the world is broken and is, and is, and is falling apart, is decaying, and now is shrouded in darkness, right? Light in the middle of light doesn't have much effect, but Jesus says, you are the light of the world because the light is in darkness. You are the light of the world. Again, think of this. Almighty God who said, let there be light, now looks at you and me and says, you're light. Light is good news. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, when God declared with his voice, light it didn't, wasn't even conceived of yet. It didn't exist. There were no particles that came in. There was no. He created light and said, let there be light. And it was good. And now he says, your light. Your light that is meant to penetrate darkness. And just pause for a moment with me and consider, what does that look like? What does that look like for you to be light? What does that look like for you as an employer? A city that is set upon a hill cannot be easily hidden. What does it look like for you to, to live a life in such a way, hear me on this, to, to live a life that demands an explanation? The way you treat your employees is such that people see and say, that's not normal. Right? Conventional wisdom says, no, employers got to be hard-nosed and got to do this. And no, you don't treat your employees with respect. You don't, you don't treat them with dignity. You don't treat your, 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 your employee the same way you would treat your grandparent, right? With that level of respect. You don't do that. That's just not the way this whole thing works. But as an employer, yes, again, still hold accountable. Okay, don't go there. We don't have to quickly justify these things away. But... In such a way that says, what? Something's different there. Or as an employee, okay, I know we, we all fit into all these, okay, we're all going to be uncomfortable here together, right? Okay, as an employee, what does it look like for you to be a, a, to work at a convenience store and to have the same level of ownership over that store as the owner? And so that you don't try to cut corners, you don't kind of see trash and kick it under the proverbial bed and just kind of like, whatever, I'm off in an hour anyway, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to cut corners here, but what would it look like to work as unto the Lord? 
What would it look like to live your life as you are going in such a way that demands an exclamation, an explanation? What, what, what does that look like? What does that look like for families? What does that look like for dating couples? What does that look like for college students? What does that look like for, 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 for parents' relationship with kids? What, what does that look like? Counterintuitive, radical stuff here. What does that look like for, for sexuality, for the, the, those of, of us here among us who are, who are walking through same-sex attraction and who don't just take that and run with it, but even bring that through the filter and say... I'm created by God, and God is doing a work, and I'm going to bring everything through the lens of who he is and what he's doing and who he's made me and who he's designed me to be and who he says I am. So I'm going to now, li- I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this struggle in light of the good news of Jesus. What did it look like for Sadiq kneeling before his friend's murderer to pause and say, God, how would you have me right now relate with this person, with this image bearer of God? Distorted, yes. Broken, yes. Sinful, yes. Evil, evil actions lived out, yes. But what does it look like to live a life in such a way that demands an explanation? Well, what does it look like on Facebook, in social media, to, to our first flinch be, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write that off. I'm going to blast this. I'm going to boom, 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 boom. This is what I do. This is how I see. But to pause for a moment and say, God, how would you be transforming me in such a way that now informs and influences absolutely everything about me? Look at me. You matter. You have a purpose. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus and even wondered what that means, yes, it means have a relationship with him. Yes, it means pray and ask that he would forgive you, as we talked about earlier, and put your faith in him and be restored relationally with him and and, and to be saved from hell and into life, to be saved from um, death and brokenness into restoration, and it means to be saved from a life of ambiguous selfishness and saved into a purposeful life where Almighty God is working out his plans through you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the light of the world. Come on, we do this, we're an actor. Look at your neighbor and say, you're salt, you're salty. Because listen, God could have used whatever he wanted to do to restore and bring healing to what is decaying, and he chose to use you. You are the light that God wants to shine through your everyday stumbling and bumbling and fumbling. Hear me, this does not mean be perfect, right? We're gonna read this and we're gonna think, I should do this, I should do that, I should get it hard, right? The Sermon on the Mount is really easy to read and think, okay, God's saying, if I do all these things, then I'll be perfect, then he'll like me, then he'll be happy with me, then he'll accept me, but no. Again, it begins with verse three, the first words out of Jesus' mouth, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the desperate and the needy and those who can do nothing to please God outside of his intervention, so 
we are so poor that we depend on him and cling to him and cling to his grace, his undeserved favor, is what that means, that now everything else builds on top of that. So now he says, yeah, I've rescued you, and this is counterintuitive, and this is crazy, and your distorted lenses through which you see the world are starting to be cleaned up a little bit. Okay, picture glasses with like little windshield wipers, and, and that's what this is doing here. And he's saying, now you see clearly. Now you see. And you're how I am revealing the light into this darkness. You. God loves to use Fumbling, broken people that demand an explanation. He, he loves to use, I, I mean, it's obvious, you have a walking illustration here, like a, a stuttering pastor is counterintuitive. And that's not because I'm crazy or I'm a glutton for punishment or, or I'm, you know, whatever it is, or I'm special or anything like that. It's because this is, God loves to use his broken people that he has transformed and is transforming to reveal himself in all his glory. Oh. And here's the good news, church. It's not just you and me. It's us. It's us. We, we put a lot of emphasis on this in here. We come together as the church corporately because this isn't an individual gig that we just come and we happen to be doing this side by side and shoulder to shoulder and it's like convenient and nice. No, it's necessary that we live in community together. In fact, um, let me read this last quote to you from the New International Commentary. It says this. The address, this whole Sermon on the Mount here, is in the second person plural, okay? That's you, plural, for those of you that didn't, you know, get that. It's you, you all. Not only because more than one person is being addressed, he's not saying you, 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 and you, I'm talking to you, but individually, but, but it says um, because it is the corporate impact of the disciple community as an alternative society, the hilltop town is a symbol, not of a conspicuous individual, but of the collective impact of the whole community. Modern Western individualism is such that we easily think of the light of the world as a variety of little candles shining. But it is the collective light of a whole community which draws the attention of the watching world. It is you, it is me, it is us. Okay, modern Western individualism, again, that is the lenses that we look through. I'm not going to get all crazy philosophical on you, but that's, that's the waters that we swim in. Okay, the language that we naturally speak is me, me, me. It's all about me. It's all about the individual. And, and, and even the songs that we sing often are hyper-emphasized on me. And we just picture like me and a little beam of heaven. And it's just me and God right here. And just close your eyes and picture everyone's not here. And, and that's just not biblical. It's, it's a collective. It's a Jesus is transforming individuals on a heart level, and he is forming a community made up of individuals. So yes, if you grew up in church and you grew up singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yes, that's heresy, and you should repent and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> In fact, your kids are hearing that today right now. They're all going to come and they're going to lead you through a time of repentance. Of We will never, ever, no, I'm, no, no. That song is good and it's great. And, but again, the emphasis, right? You see it. 
this little light of mine, like we've all got our little candle and it's just me, me, me. But, but, but a city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. And a city is not just one little glowing orb. It's a, it's, a, it's a collection of individual lights that together demand an explanation. You're driving through pitch black darkness. In this day, they didn't have electricity. So imagine a city on a hill that required so many individual lights together corporately that, that, that you could see from a distance. It can't be easily hidden. And he goes on and says... So you don't light a lamp and put it under a table and, and just hide it. And that's some of our tendency, individually and collectively. We think, I'm a Christian, but in this environment, right, in this context, in this, 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 like, no. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed individually and communally of, of what he has called you to, to be. He's called you to be light. He's called you to be different, now, let me emphasize here, salt and light are good, okay? What this doesn't mean is that you live in such a way that's like, again, think of these extremes where you're like, there's darkness in there. I'm kicking down the door, coming in with floodlights blaring, and that light is no longer good news. It's like blinding and offensive and, and hurtful, and sometimes we think that's what it means, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to blast these people with this light, and they're going to they're gonna have to do something about it, and, it, and that's not, not the language here. Or I'm salty, right? So there's wounds, and I'm going to go dump salt on those wounds and just, it's going to hurt, but hey, it's good. No, that's not the language here either, but it, it's good. This is good news. And God is saying, through your going, through your living, you're going to be different. You're going to demand an explanation. Live in such a way that, 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 that the distorted lenses of the world, that the darkness and the, and the decay around you is infiltrated and affected and changed. Because Jesus is transforming hearts in a real way that shows up in real everyday life. And through that, he's forming a people who together will be agents of change and who will be reflecting the glory of God in such a way, shining his light that demands an exclamation to a desperate and watching world. And that's good news, amen? amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we, uh, we do thank you for this time we've had in your word. Thank you for the simple and yet the complex realities of what you're doing, Jesus. Um, again, as we even prayed at the beginning, I, I trust that you're doing something here, as you always do, on, on us and in us on an individual level. The person who's in this room right now, um, as all of us have our eyes closed and, and kind of enter into a time of reflection Oh God, what does this mean for the individuals in here? What does this mean for us? What does it mean to be salt and light? What does it mean for, for, for those who have never put their faith in you to, 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 to give their life to you in such a way that their identity and their purpose is now changed and, and restored and enlightened by Almighty God who gave himself up? Lord, for us. And then, Lord, what does it mean for, for those of us who are tempted to put our light under a basket, Lord, to light that light, but to, to, to miss the good news that you still have a plan and a mission going forward, that you've saved us for something, not just from something. God, that you want to you wanna carry on your beautiful restorative mission through your people, 
through your work in us, Lord, would you do that work? Would you lead us now through the power of God the Holy Spirit to respond to the good news of Jesus individually and corporately? In the name of Jesus, amen.